Greetings and salutations, sports fans. Welcome back to another episode of At The Half with your girl, Jackie Ray, right here on CBTV Radio and 950 Lounge or wherever you listen to your podcast. Make sure you follow me on Instagram and Twitter at JRayTheFanatic. We've got a lot to talk about today, guys. I hope if you are a Laker fan, you have been, you're, you've been smiling so hard that your cheeks hurt. So obviously we are going to talk about the Clippers loss, historic loss to the Denver Nuggets. Also going to be talking about uh, Giannis and will he stay or will he go? The sheriff seems to think that LeBron is the fix-all to their problems. And we're going to be getting into Brianna Taylor and the settlement offer that she received. Um, but first, let's get into this. Uh, <laughs> Clippers Nation. How you feeling, baby? Are y'all okay? Did it drive you to drink? Don't be abusing nobody out here in the streets because, look, Here's the thing. Here's what I don't want y'all to do. I don't want y'all to pretend that y'all didn't deserve this loss. I've heard several people say, you know, even I said that I feel like the Clippers were going to beat themselves. Um, They did. They absolutely did because they played like complete crap. Kawhi Leonard only had 12 points in the first half. At the end of the first half, uh, Jamal Murray had 25. But when it was all said and done... Kawhi only had 14 points. He and Paul George did not score a single point in the fourth quarter. They are entirely to blame for that. That is their fault. Um, I don't like this narrative about should Doc Rivers keep his job. That's a whole other story for another day. If that narrative gets too, too tough, we'll talk about that next week. But I really just want to kind of focus in because, like I said, the Nuggets set an NBA record. They made history coming back from a 3-1 deficit. The Clippers, in case you live under a rock, were up 3-1 to one in this series. Let that sink in. When you have Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, last year's sixth man of the year, this year's sixth man of the year, Patrick Beverly, you got all these people on your team and you couldn't muster... What is happening? Like, no, the, let me tell you why this really pisses me off. We Y'all are making too many excuses for these Clippers. You're, you And you're not giving Denver enough credit. This wasn't the first time we've seen Denver come back. Denver has been playing for their lives the entire time they've been in this bubble. Outside of the seeding games, they've been playing for their lives, right? So where was the adjustment at halftime? Y'all played like trash at the, in the first half. Where was the adjustment at halftime? You guys didn't make any adjustments. Jokic was out there playing his his natural behind off. Jokic, although I love the guy, I love Joker. He's, he's hard not to love. Let's just be real. But he's slow. <laughs> Y'all didn't have one answer for that, man. That does not make any sense to me. I am so... I know everyone wanted to see the Battle of L.A., uh, but I didn't. I'm from Denver, so this works for me. I am so excited to see the Denver Nuggets back in the playoffs. I've never seen them in my life. I'd have to go back and check. I don't think they have ever made it to the Western Conference. They might have made it when um, Carmelo was there. Now that I think about it, they might have. I have to go back and look at that. But it was a long-ass time ago, so I'm not mad at myself for not remembering that. But I, I love this whole Denver meeting the Lakers. Um, but the Clippers need to be embarrassed. Y'all who don't live here in L.A., you probably don't know. All over this damn city, they got all these billboards and stuff up that implies that the Lakers are all about spotlights. They're more about, like, street lights and so they're like the more street balling team. They're they're not about the glitz and the glamour that the Lakers are. Uh, you should have been about some glitz and got a little bit of glamour in the second half because y'all wasn't doing a damn thing. It's quite frankly embarrassing. The reason why I don't like Kawhi really has nothing to do with Kawhi. I'll be the first one to admit that. But there is no place on this universe where LeBron James, who, by the way, has never been up 3-1 and lost a series, Let me just throw that out there. Y'all do with it what you want. But there is no way on this planet that LeBron James could have been up 3-1 in a series, lost it, lost the entire series, and you guys not come for his head. You guys are giving too many passes. This whole excuse about, 
we didn't have any chemistry. That is entirely opposite of what we were hearing from them at the beginning of the season. It was all about how they had great chemistry. They liked playing together. They were doing great. And that's the reason why they were having the success they have. Now y'all in the bubble. And now y'all don't have the chemistry. Stop lying. I don't like the excuses that they are making. I don't allow like the excuses that Clipper Nation is allowing them to make. Y'all lost because you played like trash. So what I really think happened, if we really going to be honest, panic set in. Because the fact of the matter is there's no way in hell that the Clippers should have been in a win or go home situation, not being up 3-1 against the Nuggets. That should not have happened. Should not have been in that situation. But then panic sets in, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, maybe we ain't as good as we think we are. Maybe you're not. Maybe you're not. But I'm telling you right now, I, w- I actually thought that the Clippers were going to win that last game. I wanted the series to go to seven because I am a Dem- Denver fan. I did not think that uh, Denver was actually going to pull out the win. But because the series went to seven, whatever fear I had about the Clippers was out the window because there was definitely some adjustments that I could see being made that were not made. I also heard Doc Rivers when he did a couple of sideline uh, not sideline, but yeah, sideline in-game interviews. He said that the players weren't listening to him which is why I'm saying you shouldn't even consider firing Doc Rivers. If that if that narrative goes further, we'll dive deeper into that. But this was just a flat-out embarrassing um, display. If, and I clowned, y'all, if y'all don't listen to me on the fumble, we have a resident diehard Clipper fan on there. And when I tell you I clowned, Laker Nation, if there was a Clipper next to you, touch and agree. Just touch him on the shoulder and let him know y'all are trash. <laughs> the claw don't mean nothing. And by the way, the rim was a block. That that was not Kawhi's finger. That was all the rim. Just fun fact. But I'm just, I'm really excited for the, the Denver Nuggets. I'm excited to see them in this moment. Um, I think that we'll be fine. I, so now the question becomes, what can the Lakers do to make sure that they don't full-on embarrass themselves the way that the Clippers did? Because make no mistake, that was a full-on embarrassment. Wear a bag over your head until next season kind of situation. It was shameful. So the question becomes, what can the Lakers do to make sure that that doesn't happen? Number one, I, I do think JaVale McGee, and um, Dwight Howard will be back in rotation. So I think we'll be okay in, in, in handling Joker a little bit better. Plus, um, LeBron, is, his basketball IQ is astronomical. So he literally had seven games <laughs> against what was considered our biggest foe to watch. So he can figure out a way to really break down the Denver Nuggets. And I don't want to take any um, – clout or respect away from the Nuggets because you guys came out there and you beat what everybody said was a juggernaut. It was a beautiful display. Um, I like what their head coach says. He says, everybody slept on us, but they forgot that we were in the third place for a reason. Everyone thought it was a fluke. No, it happens like that because we know how to play together. We have chemistry. If I could just be Coach Jackie for a moment, I will say this. If you insist on staying the Danny Green course, Every single time the ball leaves his hand, somebody besides Alec Caruso needs to run underneath the basket and try for a rebound. You need to box out every single time the ball leaves Danny Green's hand because he is the most inconsistent player on our team and he will miss the most wide openest of threes. He really shouldn't shoot threes. That's number one because clearly it's a problem. And we don't need these kinds of problems when we're trying to get to the finals. So I'm just going to say it again. Every time Dwight, A.D., JaVale, LeBron, every time you see the ball leave Danny Green's hand, you need to go box out. Okay? We need to also get back to bully ball. This whole, I don't like what I see from you guys as far as you guys kind of hit the perimeter, take a shot and fall back to, to get on to defense. I don't like that. You guys need to get these second chance shots. It is going to be crucial to win against the Nuggets to get these secondhand shots because you're going to need to keep up this momentum because they are a what? A younger team. And so they are going to move a little bit quicker. Your best bet in slowing them down is to score and score often. So I would suggest putting Kyle Kuzma into rotation much, much sooner. Um, let him get in there and get that that playing time because that I also think is going to be very important. Um, Danny Green was what? He scored 14 points in that last game. 
um, and was four for six, which I think is the best we can hope for him. But let's not forget that he was four for 12 right before that, scored 10 points. There's a couple games in there where he scored like two or four points. And then somewhere in there had the unmitigated goal, the audacity to say that those of us in Laker Nation or anywhere who were making fun of him better not come to the parade if they win because we should keep his name out our his name out of our mouths because whatever the hell he said. I don't know. It was it was moronic because again, that's very clipper like of you. We can trade you over to the Clippers because you're talking too soon. You're saying things you ain't supposed to say. You you know, without doing the work. The Clippers spoke too soon. All these little billboards and stuff they got out here, you spoke too soon. You should have done the work first. But I am excited about this game. I think that um, AD needs to remember he's the tallest person on the floor. Please remember that. Please play bully ball. Um, I'm completely confident in Rajon. I can't even, I'm stuttering because it's hard for me to say it, but I've also been impressed at the improvement that I'm seeing in Kyle Kuzma. He's literally locking it down. It could be because his boo is in the bubble. Um, I, I feel like as soon as his boo got into the bubble, he he kind of stepped up his play that way. So I just want to say, let's go out there, Laker Nation. Let's get it. Let's get it done. Let's make this happen. Um, and I am also very, very, very proud of LeBron for not addressing this moronic notion from Sheriff Alex Villanueva about this nonsense that's going on here in L.A. So if you don't know, um, here in L.A., uh, there was a, I don't, I, I believe it was a guy. I, I know they found a wig a couple of blocks away, so I'm not sure if it was a male or female, but some, a suspect walked up to, um, sheriff's deputy's car and fired into the police car. Um, no one was killed though in that situation. They are going to live. So the LA sheriff's department put up a hundred thousand dollars reward to find the shooter. Um, and then two anonymous individuals put up uh, a total of 75,000. So the um, total reward right now is 175,000. And Alex Villanueva said that, let me just read this quote because this is the dumbest thing. He says, this is a, this challenge is to LeBron James. I want you to match that and double the reward. I know you care about law enforcement. You expressed a very interesting Listen to this. Be very clear on what he's saying. You expressed a very interesting statement about your perspective on race relations and officer-involved shootings and the impact that it has on African American on the African American community. And I appreciate that. But likewise, we need you to appreciate that respect for life goes across professions, across races, creeds. And I'd like to see LeBron James step up to the plate and double that. I'd like to see you go straight to hell. Because you done lost your damn mind if you think that LeBron James owes you anything. Because you said it best. You said, I find your perspective interesting. You didn't say, I find it factual and we need immediate change in our justice system and the way law enforcement interacts with people of color. You did not say that. You said you found his perspective interesting. And now you want a black man who is leading the charge about the violence that your department initiates on black people to give a reward for them acting out. Let me tell you something, Sheriff Villanueva. What y'all should do is say, yeah, that sounds about right. I'm not condoning shooting police officers in, in, by any stretch of the imagination, but check the receipts. If you ever, ever want to check up on your girl, check the receipts. Go to my Facebook and scroll back. And I said, probably I started saying this in 2016, y'all can't keep shooting at us indefinitely before we start shooting back, period. I really don't care how y'all feel about that. That is a factual statement. How long you think I'm gonna let you hit my face? If you and I get into a regular old fist fight, how long you think I'm gonna let you hit me in my face before I, I hit back? I ain't gonna turn this other cheek forever. At some point, I'm gonna try to get in front of that and I'm gonna try to prevent you from bringing me harm. What could have prevented this is immediate change, immediate reform in the police. Immediate reform. This, this should have started happening at Rodney King. First and foremost, let me let me correct. It should have started happening at Emmett Teal when y'all let white folks get away with dragging that little black boy through the street over a white woman's lie. Police reform should have started then, but it didn't. So let's fast forward to the 80s. It should have started with Rodney King, but it didn't. It should have started with Mike Brown, 
but it did it. Philando Castile, Sandra Bland, we could go down the line. There are hundreds of opportunities you had to change the way that law enforcement interacts with the general public. You chose not to. Now you need to rely on them tax dollars that we gave you to find this killer. We ain't going to do your job for you because guess what we know? Even if we've, we done seen countless white people storm the castle with AK 47s. I saw a video on Sean King's Instagram on Tuesday where this white kid was tased several times. He was sprayed with mace several times. He finally gets a gun and shoots officers, but guess what he was not? He was not shot. He was eventually brought into custody safely. We have seen people just with their hands up getting shot. We have seen um, Eric Gardner, he was choked to death and constantly said he couldn't breathe. Let's George Floyd, Breonna Taylor's killer still haven't come to justice. We're gonna talk about that fiasco in a minute. But now you want a black boy? Bye. This is what boy bye would look like if it was a person. You can go straight to hell, Alex Villanueva, because I am not here for it. This is the epitome of disrespectful. So let me just go on record. If LeBron won't say it, let me just go on record and tell you this right now. We don't know you a damn thing, so stop asking. And that's all I have to say about that. We're going to go to break when we come back. They done got me worked up again, y'all. But when we come back... We're going to talk about some Giannis rumors. Oh, are they true? Again, because these same rumors started circulating last year. We're going to get into that and a lot more. So stay with me right here on At The Half on CBTV Radio, 950 Lounge, and J-Ray the Fanatic. If people say your dreams are crazy, if they laugh at what you think you can do, good. Because calling a dream crazy is not an insult. It's a compliment. Don't try to be the fastest in your school. Be the fastest ever. Don't believe you have to be like anybody to be somebody. Don't become the best basketball player on the planet. Be bigger than basketball. Believe in something, even if it means sacrificing everything. If you have only one hand, don't just watch football, play. And if you're a girl from Compton, become the greatest athlete ever. Yeah, that's more like it. So don't ask if your dreams are crazy. Ask if they're crazy enough. All right, everybody, welcome back to At The Half with your girl, Jackie Ray, right here on CBTV Radio, 950 Lounge, and wherever you listen to your podcast. Make sure you follow me everywhere on social media at Fanatic, specifically on Instagram. And while you're there, make sure you click the link in my bio and go check me out on YouTube because I am starting to do um, YouTube exclusive content. Or if you just want to see a se segment of this uh, podcast live and in person, go ahead and venture on over there as well. So let me ask you guys a question. What does it mean when your coworker unfollows you on social media? Actually, I'm asking for me because this is actually um, a thing that I personally am dealing with. But not only that, not only am I personally dealing with it, so are the Milwaukee Bucks. Apparently, aside from his brothers, um, Giannis Antetokounmpo has unfollowed everyone in the Milwaukee organization. I am really not giving this story a lot of, lot of credit. I know people are saying this is the sign that he wants to be traded, blah, 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 blah. Um, I'm really not giving this story a lot of credit. The reason for that is because he did the exact same thing last year and it meant nothing then. I don't think it means anything now. Um, I will say that personally, especially, um, I would have to kind of see what he's doing on his social media. Now it's funny because, you know, back in the day, if you were friends with somebody, which I mean, Giannis would have to follow me back for it to work, but you know, anyway, if you had followed Giannis and, and you guys are, he followed you back, you used to be able to see like who he liked and who he didn't like. And I feel like that was a female design because that's definitely how I caught some people up in some situations, but you can't do that anymore. But if he was like reposting stuff or if he's on Twitter reposting stuff, then you can kind of get a feel for, is this him doing what I say we all should do and just taking a break from social media for a while? Or is this really a sign? I totally understand what people say like, oh, if he's just taking a break from social media, why unfollow your teammates? 
unless your break from social media is like, hey, I just want to see the content that I want to see. Because, you know, when you're friends with somebody and you look on their page and then it affects the algorithm and then you start seeing, you know, more stuff in your timeline that maybe you just want to take a mental break from. I don't think any of us would be surprised that the regular the team that had the best record in the league in the regular season goes into the bubble and looks terrible. I don't think we would be surprised if the leader of that team just needed to take a damn break. I think we would understand all of that. But um, nonetheless, I do think that it's time for the Bucks to step up and let Giannis know that they are committed to getting him a championship. They are committed to building around him and to making him comfortable being there. And not only that, to help him develop in some of the areas where he is lacking. His his outside shot is basically non-existent. He has no jumper, really. Um, and he could step up in a lot of ways defensively, even though he won defensive uh Player of the year, I really thought that should have gone to Rudy Gobert, but that's a whole other story for another day. I'm not saying Giannis is bad defensively, but I am saying that there are moments when he just kind of like gets out of himself and then it's just kind of more pouty kid than step up and get it done, which he's young. I get it, whatever. But um, maybe the Bucks organization is doing that. Maybe they are deciding, okay, look, um, you clearly want a championship. I think, I don't want to say most because a lot of people in the league do just want that big paycheck, like ring or naw, I'm here for this money. I want to get these mega contracts and things of that nature. If I get a ring, that's a bonus, but the big contract is more the goal from some people. I don't think we know yet where Giannis lies in that. I don't think we know if he's the, yes, I definitely want a ring guy, or if he is the yeah, I want to get this money and build for me and my family guy. I'm not entirely sure uh, where he falls in that narrative. But um, the Bucks did have a three-hour lunch with him. Uh, it was the Bucks co-owner, Mark uh, Lassery, as, as well as the GM. Um, and they said they wanted to let him know that they were going to do whatever it takes to build around him. They said that they were going to um, spend into the luxury tax to get him a championship and a supporting cast. Um, so just so you know, let me break down this down really quick. The Bucks payroll will be close to, um, $132 million, um, with the luxury tax threshold for 2020, 2021. So Giannis will be a free agent in 21. If he decides not to take the max deal from Milwaukee, if he decides to look elsewhere, he is going to miss out on some huge money because I don't think he's going to get a max deal somewhere else. But if he does take the deal, the Bucks will offer him a super max deal worth 35% of the Bucks cap, which that'll fall somewhere between the, uh, $220 million to $250 million range over five years. So that's good money. That That is good money if that's what he wants. Then you have to kind of wonder, okay, well, contractually, what pieces can they move to really build this cast around him? So Chris Middleton's contract um, is, it's up in 2024, I believe. Yeah, it's up in 2024, and it includes $137 million in guarantees. So y'all going to be stuck with Chris Middleton. I don't think Chris Middleton is a, a bad piece. I think everyone on the Bucks has proven inside the bubble that there are drastic areas that can be approved upon because you shouldn't fall from best record in the in the league to, oh, damn, here comes the Bucks that are going to be an easy target. That's, that's, that's not a good look. It's pretty much what the Clippers did, especially against the Nuggets, but they fared obviously a little bit better. But... Um, so they, they have to hang on to Chris Middleton. Um, I, I don't think that they're really pleased with Eric Bledsoe. I think that they realized immediately they made a really bad decision there because he agreed to a four year, $70 million contract in uh, March of last year. Um, and he, he has been missing in action for both playoff runs for the, the Bucks. So he is not, you know, this postseason thing is just is, is cool. It's great. It definitely builds up your hype. It builds up the media hype. It should build up your team um, morale and, and your your willingness and your your drive. But at the end of the day, it's just the regular season. You, you really want to get to the regular season. And especially in this bubble situation, this bubble situation was very unique because there was no such thing as home court advantage. There was no traveling. This was a 
I get, you know, because we've heard enough from enough players to know that this bubble thing to a lot of them kind of feels like prison in a way because they can't leave. So, yeah, it's just kind of like you're kind of stuck in your cell until you get to go out on the yard and play basketball. I know that's a horrible analogy, but that's what a lot of them feel like, especially when we're talking about the amount of money most of these people make and they're out living their best lives. And now they're just stuck in this one area. The park's not open. Um, LeBron said that Savannah Shouts out to them celebrating their anniversary in the bubble. But he said that she wasn't having a good time in the bubble because once you see the few things that they have open for them, there's not a lot to do. So I get that the mental strain of, you know, being stuck in this bubble might be a lot. But when you're talking about the advantages of a home court advantage and the fans in the stand and and being in a familiar turf and the media and the lights and people playing it up and you having these uh Kawhi moments in Toronto or Dame Dalla when he shoots that shot and it's that still shot of him just looking direct in the camera. All of those things are gone. Those things do not exist inside of the bubble. So it's literally an even playing field for every single team. So when you think about that and you think about the Bucks and how they struggled last year, technically I feel this bubble situation should have been an ideal situation for them. We should have seen a completely different Bucks in this playoff run, but we didn't. So, um, I'm not sure what why that is. There's clearly a disconnect. You know, maybe there we need a different coaching staff. They have said they've made it very clear. Well, first of all, I don't know. I think they're going to go ahead and do something with Eric Bledsoe because he only has three million dollars in his guarantee. So you do have some some wiggle room with him. Um, and then you know, if you dip into the luxury tax, you have even more wiggle room. I don't know how they're going to adjust this, but. Um, they are not going to get rid of their head coach. So Mike Budenholz will, will be there and their GM, John Horse, will be there as well. So I'm not mad at any of those two things, but I, you still you still need to do something. I, there's definitely a disconnect in, in the coaching staff. If you don't feel like your head coach is it, then maybe we need to revisit the assistance coach. Maybe we need to... Um, I don't know. You guys need to do something, but there's there's a disconnect. They're, they're not developing at the rate that you think somebody whose nickname is the Greek freak, rightfully so, they're not developing at that right pace. So then it becomes, okay, so look, if we're not getting rid of the coach and we can't get rid of Chris Middleton, we have some wiggle room with, with um, Eric, what are we going to do? Who should we have over there? My first pick. My first pick of the situation is going to be Victor Oladipo only because I don't feel like I don't feel like he's completely at home in Indiana. I don't feel like they're utilizing him the way that they should. I don't know if he's entirely happy. Yes, he had that injury. So, of course, there's going to be some reservations um, in that aspect. But I think he would be a good fit um, and a good wingman for Giannis. Um, I also think Derrick Rose and Blake Griffin, and I again, same same issue, right? They're injury prone, but they both have a tenacity, um, a fight, if if you will, a little bit of grittiness in them that Giannis just doesn't have. So I think that they would. Those that's an intangible though. Yeah, you need somebody out there who can score. You need somebody out there who can facilitate um, and bring the ball up the court. That definitely is going to be beneficial to Giannis. But but that grittiness. That fight, that that dog hunger, that just we're going to go out here, we're going to get this at all costs, that's an intangible. And you need somebody on your squad who has that. So I I don't know. I think either Derrick Rose or or Blake Griffin or, dare I say, both of them. Um, because I think both of them at this point in their careers, yes, you know they've been in the league a lot longer, but I think both of them at this point in their careers have something that they can uh, – they can add to it. I don't like this rumor of Giannis going to Golden State. I've never liked that rumor. I don't like anyone going to Golden State, to be honest with you. Because I'm, I get it. It's a little different now because now Clay is coming off of this very long injury. Steph is coming off of this injury. There's going to be some, some lag time. They're not going to come out looking like the Splash Brothers like they were. So, yeah, you want somebody in there who can kind of make up that weight. But Giannis, to me, is not a Robin. He is a Batman. He is the guy that you're supposed to build the team around. And the same, I felt the same thing about Kawhi, and that could be why the chemistry wasn't, or not, I'm sorry, not Kawhi, KD. That could be why the chemistry with KD and the Warriors wasn't 
100% great because yeah, Steph is a star. Yeah, Clay is a star, but they 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 are more like the Spurs to me in that they're a well-oiled machine. They really do play as a team. They don't need that standout superstar because when when Clay falls, um Steph picks up and vice versa. They're more of a well-rounded team. They don't they don't have that one standout superstar. Um, or even two standout superstars. I think Draymond and even that they're at one time their bench was really good. That those days are kind of past as well. But I think they're just as a team. I don't know if I want Giannis the superstar to go to Golden State that's already has two, dare I say, three superstars. I, I don't know if I like that fit for him. So I'm gonna vote no on that. I'm going to vote that they um that he stays in Milwaukee. But Let's just talk about this rumor. Let's talk about the word on the street. The word on the street is that the Warriors are willing to offer the number two pick in the 2020 draft, the top three 2021 picks that they got from the Timberwolves, their first round pick for the 2022 draft, plus Andrew Wiggins for Giannis. But I ain't seen nothing about money. (laughs) Like, I need to know... Well, technically, they would. They would. Man, I don't know. I don't know. I I say he stays in Milwaukee and pick and gets that uh that max deal. Steph's contract is up in 2022. Um, Clay Thompson and Draymond, their contracts are up in in 2024. But again, I just don't like him over there. If if he has to go, if he has to leave Milwaukee, I'm gonna say go to Miami. I like the idea of him and Jimmy Buckets playing together. Like I said, I think Giannis needs that grit. He needs that that hunger. He needs somebody that's going to get in your face and tell you when you're wrong, tell you when you're not playing right. He needs a Jimmy Butler in his life. And Jimmy Butler can score and play defense. So if you have to go, Giannis, I would like to suggest that you go to Miami. So that's my thoughts on that. When we come back, we're going to get into some NFL. My Saints, oh, we have an injury that I'm really concerned about because I don't know how long it's going to last. We're going to talk about that. And then I'm going to let you guys in on this whole Brianna Taylor situation. want to really find out from you guys what you think about that. So stay with me right here on 950 Lounge and CBTV Radio. I'll be right back. We always hear about an athlete's humble beginnings. How they emerge from poverty or tragedy to beat the odds. They're supposed to be the stories of determination that capture the American dream. They're supposed to be stories that let you know these people are special. But you know what would be really special? If there were no more humble beginnings. All right, all right, we in the home stretch. We in the home stretch. Uh, thank you guys once again for joining me here on 950 Lounge and CBTV Radio. Make sure you follow me on all things social media at JRay the Fanatic, specifically Instagram and Twitter, um, and wherever you listen to your podcasts, um, um, iTunes, wherever, Spotify. Make sure you subscribe to me there as well. I am super excited, as I know a lot of you guys are, because football is back. We had been wondering if this was going to happen for a long time. I'm going to digress for just a second because we also now know that the Big Ten has unanimously voted to get back to football, which I think makes sense because especially in the Midwest, like when you're talking about Ohio and I think even everything over there, their middle schools are playing, high schools are playing. Hell, in Ohio, the Cleveland Browns are playing. If you ain't going to stop the Cleveland Browns from playing, stop it right now. The Ohio State should be playing as well. So I'm really excited about that because I'm not a huge college um, football watcher. I I love college basketball more than anything, but um, I definitely do watch, especially I have my teams. I have friends that went to Michigan. Um, I always watch the Ohio State because they seem to produce 
the best football players in the NFL. So I always watch the Ohio State. So I'm really glad to know that we're going to get back to some sort of normalcy. Um, I did watch a game, uh, a college game last week. I, I don't know who these teams were. I, well, let me tell you that. I watched two. I watched Notre Dame and somebody... And then I can't remember who the other team was. I was going to watch the Navy play this past weekend, but I guess who, whatever team they were supposed to play, somebody on that team, and I don't even think it was a team, a player, I think it was like a staff member, ended up testing positive for COVID. So uh, they weren't able to do that game, so I didn't get to watch that. So I am excited. College football is something that I, I definitely want to watch more of now, especially since I think this virus pandemic situation has really made me appreciate being able to watch sports so, so much more. So I'm excited to do that. Um, but yeah, we had week one that just passed. Uh, the Ravens got a little bit of flack that I was disappointed in because they um, the black players, I actually think it was the whole, no, I think it was just the black players they uh, kneeled for the national anthem. They stood for the black national anthem, which is lift every voice and sing. I'm actually perfectly okay with that, um, which shouldn't surprise any of you guys. I don't, I, I don't stand for the national anthem because uh, my people were property um, and in bondage by the racist regime that still is kind of in power at that time. We didn't have any freedoms when the national anthem was written. That The national anthem was written by a born-again racist and a slave owner. Um, and the flag was stitched by a born-again racist and slave owner. So I don't feel like I owe anything to that. So I don't stand for that. So um, I don't really care how people feel about that per se. I do understand that in this specific instance, um, this was by design, in my opinion, by the NFL. This was specifically so the racist fan base could see black players kneel for one and stand for another. So I think it was the Miami Dolphins that said, yo, we're not playing that game. We're just going to stay in the locker room for, for the whole entire thing because we're not going to let you make us pick like that. So I thought that was dope. I, I'm, I'm cool with people um, staying in the locker room. I'm cool with people kneeling for the national anthem and standing for um, the black national anthem. I still do feel some t sort of way. Um, see, this is me personally. I'm not saying that anyone else in the world should feel this way. I personally, um, feel some sort of way. I've always felt like that since I was a kid though. Uh, once, well, since I was a teenager, when I decided to stop standing for it, when I see black players stand, it still bothers me personally, because to me, it's a whole denial of what, what that song and that flag originated out of, and you have to do a lot of overlooking to make that be your symbol of patriotism. And I feel like black people, we overlook too much. And so I'm not going to overlook that. But nonetheless, um, the Baltimore Ravens got some flack for that, but it didn't matter. Um, football is back. I think we all appreciated that. So let's just get into some of it because it was a fun time. This was a, I'm not going to get into all of it because obviously there was a lot. Um, but I think the main thing that everyone was talking about was Tom Brady was back. Tom Brady was back on the field, not in a Patriots uniform. He was in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uniform. He faced my Saints um, and he did not reign victorious. He lost. Um, one of my Fun things to do because I play fantasy football, so you kind of go in. Um, my fantasy football is very small. There's not a lot of us in my league, so there's a lot of free agents that you could potentially pick up off of waivers if you wanted to. So then, of course, I'm going in and I'm researching to see. I actually have Tom Brady on my fantasy football team, but he's on the bench. And I love saying that. I think I told you guys that last week. But um, I just wanted to go in and see. We only have we're only one weekend, so what does this mean? But we have Matt Ryan, the from 1 through 10, uh, we have Matt Ryan, Aaron Rodgers, Phillip Rivers, Russell Wilson, Josh Allen, Matthew Stafford, Daniel Jones, Lamar Jackson, and Jared Goff are rounding out the top 10 passers in the league after one week of play. Tom Brady, you guys, you got if you're on your laptop, just get your finger ready because you're going to have to scroll down for a while. He is at number 20. I don't know why that brings me such joy, but damn it, it does. And I think what else brings me joy is knowing that Bruce uh, Arians, his, the head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, also called out Tom Brady. Tom Brady threw a pair of interceptions. One of them, Evans, went one way. Tom Brady threw the ball the other. Arians uh, said he... he he called Tom Brady out for that. Bruce said, look, he threw the ball wrong. Uh, Evans ran the right route. 
Tom Brady could have thrown it somewhere else. That was not the best place that he should have thrown it. He should have either thrown it somewhere else or he should have gotten it to him in the in the correct spot because of the route. I'm paraphrasing, obviously. But basically what he said is he didn't throw that right. Tom Brady did not throw that ball right. And so he kind of threw Tom Brady under the bus, which, again, I am here for it. I'm so here for it. Um, but then, you know, the same narrative because, you know, we, we talked about that with Porter Jr., uh, I think, like two weeks ago on the Denver Nuggets when he was spot on in his assessment when the Nuggets lost that game to the Clippers. He was spot on in that assessment. He was like, you know, we should have moved around some more. Um, Coach should have subbed some people in and out, blah, 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 blah. He was spot on in that assessment. But everyone then was saying, oh, no, he shouldn't say that because this is going to create animosity between he and the coach. This should be a locker room conversation, blah, 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 blah. Well, here we got Bruce. Clearly didn't hear what we said about uh, Junior because he out here doing the same damn thing. However, this time I'm a big fan. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of him saying this about Tom Brady. That's just because I got a personal issue with Tom Brady. This is a me thing. But he's saying now that all this stuff that we're saying about he shouldn't have said that because now, especially you got this new GOAT quarterback, you don't want to – and we know how Tom Brady gets. He's a big crybaby. You don't want him crying after week one. That's not what you want him to do, right? But he said, quote, I really don't care what other people think. It's just what he and I think. Um, we left the stadium fine. We showed up to practice fine, so there is nothing to talk about. So, okay. Um, I mean, I guess that's fine. I, I don't know. I don't know what else to say to that. They did lose to my Saints. My Saints are now the only team undefeated in the NFC South. That makes me feel great about that. I, I need somebody to do something about Washington because they're currently undefeated in the NFC East. They're the only team that won in the NFC East on Sunday, and I feel some type of way about that. But like I said, my Saints did beat Tom Brady and company. That makes me feel good. But does not make me feel good is Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas sustained a high ankle sprain um, that we all thought, ah, it's not that. Because that's what they told us right after the game. They're like, ah, it's not that bad. Now we're finding out he's going to be out for several weeks. Um, I heard Emmanuel Sanders talk about it, and he said that, you know, it's just next man up. Um, he said that himself and 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 everyone else is going to have to kind of step up and do what they're supposed to do and make sure that that gets done properly. And I agree with that. Um, so, you know, Dante Harris needs to step up. Um, Traquan Smith needs to step up. I think Emmanuel has, has, has looked forward to this opportunity for a while because, you know, he's, he's played in a Super Bowl. So he's definitely looking forward to continue that narrative. But the one thing that he said that I kind of wanted to um, – oh, let me just backtrack for a minute. Because Michael Thomas also said that he is going to try to get back on the field as soon as possible. Um, again, all we know right now is his injury is several weeks. We don't know how long he's going to be out. But I just want to say this. Michael, please don't do that. Um, the, the first thing that pops in my head is when KD rushed back and then all of a sudden he got that injury again um, playing with the Warriors that kept him out this entire season. So please don't do that. Take the time you need and get your get your body right. Get your body right. Get your mind right. Do the, the rehab that you did, you need to do because let's not forget that you just signed a five-year $96.25 million contract with $20 million in guarantees. You need to collect all of that money. You need to be healthy. I'm sure we can handle this for just a few weeks. I'm not too worried about the Raiders on Monday night. I'm not. Um, Green Bay Packers week three, that might give us a problem. But if you need to take that week off, take that week off too. I am fine with that. But I do want to touch on Drew Brees for a while because you guys know, any of you who have been following me for a while, way back in the day, um, in 2016, so four years ago, I was actually a Dallas Cowboy fan. And I, uh, I was a diehard Dallas Cowboy fan. I'd met Jerry Jones several times. I met Tony Romo once. Um, Rowdy, the mascot, used to come to our Cowboys meetup. So I was a diehard Cowboy fan. So I had in my head, you know, your, your fandom is a little different, especially when you get to meet the players and the owner and the people you look up to. So for me and Jerry Jones, I used to go to Cowboys training camp, which is here in Oxnard in California. I used to go like four or five times a week. I don't even know how I stayed employed when Cowboys training camp was here because I was going. Um, and, you know, people start to recognize you. Jerry 
two two times. The first time he met me, the second time he recognized me from the year before. So I really liked how he interacted with fans. I felt I thought very highly of him. I had always said that I thought Jerry Jones was the best owner in the league, worst GM. I still kind of stand by that um, because he's definitely one of the worst GMs in the league. And I and once he said those racist things, I rocked with Colin Kaepernick really tough. So I had to I couldn't rock with Jerry Jones because Jerry Jones to me just displayed how much of a racist he truly is. And I, I was done with that. And that was a huge decision for me, not only because of my love for the cow I grew up a cowboy fan. Um not only because of my love for the team, but because I knew in my heart of hearts there's not one single owner in the league that's not racist as hell. Like all of them is racist as hell. And I'm not trying, people say, don't say all. Oh, no, I said what I meant. All of them is racist as hell. So for me, I had this whole thing where I was like, I didn't know for like a year. I didn't know. I boycotted for a year, didn't even watch football at all. So, the, well, was it a year, a year and a half? I didn't watch football at all. So then once I decided, okay, I'm going to get back to football because I was coming back. I also went overseas for two, um, a year and a half. So it was easy to boycott over there. But then when it was like, okay, I'm coming back to the States and I need to watch football for my job. Then it became, okay, I need to, I, I want to, you don't need to, but I definitely want to have an affiliation to a team. So then it became, all right, who's going to be my team? Cause I'll, I'll be good. Gosh, damn. If I go back to the Cowboys. So my dad is from New Orleans. My dad was a, a Bronco fan, but he was also a New Orleans Saints fan because that was his hometown. So went home to Denver one time, saw some extra Saints gear lying around, grabbed me some, and I decided to be a Saints fan. And for me, it was easy specifically because even while I was a Cowboy fan, sometimes if I was having a day, I would watch Drew Brees' huddle chants and his rants and the way he would hype his team up. And that was like a thing for me. That was my self motivator. Um, and then when Katrina hit and I saw how much he was get, he and his wife were so giving and they literally gave, gave not only of money, but of themselves as well. And I thought that was a beautiful thing. So I said in my head, and these are exact words. I said, you know what? Yeah. Might have a racist owner, but this quarterback rides for the people. This is a people's quarterback. I'm going to go over here and represent for my dad's team with this people's quarterback. Fast forward. We know what Drew Brees said. He got racist qualities as well. So I was like, well, damn, like that one really hurt my feelings. That hurt worse than the Jerry Jones thing, because this is somebody I truly looked up to and admired and love his career. Love how he went from the Chargers to the Saints. And, and, and I really love his whole story. So that one kind of hurt me a lot. But um, I will say this. I was listening to Emmanuel Sanders talk. Emmanuel Sanders played with one of my favorite quarterbacks in the league, well, formerly in the league, which is Peyton Manning. Um, and they asked him, and I hate this question. I hate when people ask you to compare athletes. No two athletes are the same. I get that they might play the same position, but no two athletes are the same. Peyton Manning's out of the league. Drew Brees is still in the league. I guess I get that they're both older. Um, but nonetheless, they asked him, you know, what what's the difference in playing with Drew Brees than it was Peyton Manning? And his answer literally made me think. He goes, you know what? Peyton Manning kind of always did his thing. He was cool. He was fun. He liked to crack jokes. But we didn't really see him out there you know, in the, on the field, we, he kind of was out doing his own thing, kind of training his own way. Um, he wasn't really out there with us. Drew Brees is the first one in, he's the first one to practice. He's in the trenches with us. He's always looking for ways to make himself better. He's the first one in last one out. Um, and he's always motivating his teammates. He said he, he talked about a game where, um, they were ahead by several points and there was really no need for he, he or Emmanuel, um, he Emmanuel or Drew to go back in and they were and Drew was just like, let's go in and let's score some more points. Let's score some more points. Let's get this. Let's get, let's get this, this game done. Let's finish it. Let's finish it. And he said, that's just who Drew Brees is. He's 100% in, he's 100% encouraging everybody around him. And he is definitely the leader of that team. So it's one of those moments where I was like, okay. And I don't know if you guys saw the commercial, that um, Drew Brees is in, and and it was 
you know, a long pause before Drew Brees walks in. He takes a deep breath and he starts talking about Breonna Taylor. If you guys didn't watch the game last week, Sean Payton, which is the head coach for the New Orleans Saints, actually did wear a Breonna Taylor mask. So I said all to say all that to say this. I'm not one to uh, forget anything, but for me, Drew Brees, you are forgiven. You are once again my quarterback. I don't trust you for, for shit, but <laughs> um, you are definitely my quarterback. Um, I can't overlook the stuff that you've done for that city. I definitely can kind of look at you out, out the side of my eye if a black issue comes up, and I will probably you know, relegate you from that conversation just because I don't believe that we can trust you as an ally on, on those topics. But when it comes to going out there and really rallying behind your team and your city, I'm going to go ahead and give you a pass. I'm going to once again proudly say Drew Brees is my quarterback and I'm proud of him. Thanks to Emmanuel Sanders. Emmanuel Sanders changed my mind. So that's all I got for this week, you guys. Um, oh, no, I didn't even tell you about the Breonna Taylor situation. Let me tell you about that really quickly um, before I get out of here. So there is a settlement offer um, that the Louisville uh, Police Department has settled. They have settled that case for $12 million. They settled that on Tuesday in a wrongful death lawsuit. Um, the settlement also includes a series of police reforms to be adopted by the Louisville Police Department, including establishing a housing incentive program to encourage officers to live in low-income neighborhoods within the city. I don't know how it is in Louisville. Um, to be honest, I don't even know how it is here in L.A., but in Denver, you're required to live in the city and county that you serve. Um, cops always find a, a way around that. Uh, Green Valley Ranch in in uh, Denver, I think, was specifically built for police officers because that's where a lot of police officers and sheriff lived for a long time. It was completely removed from any of the communities that they served, but it was the city and county of Denver, so it allowed for that. This should be something that is on the book in every single city and county in this country. You should not police there if you do not live there. That is my main thing. Um, other changes include they have to they want to change police tactics and they want to create a clear command structure when executing warrants on multiple locations. Um, meanwhile, uh, Kenneth Walker was arrested um, and he was tried. He was uh, charged with attempted murder of a police officer and assault. Those charges were dismissed, not because they wanted to dismiss them. In fact, the police department union in Louisville came out and called this man a thug and said he did attempt to murder their police officers, which was not a fact. They were unidentified men breaking into the home. He tried to defend himself, but he was arrested and he could not go to Breonna Taylor's funeral. Nevertheless, they did let him out in May after we raised hell about that. But they settled this lawsuit for $12 million. But guess what, ladies and gentlemen? They still have not brought any type of punishment, any type of jail time to the officers that killed her. So this $12 million is just hush money. Please shut up and go away. We still have to keep this fight going. We still have to demand justice for her. Money is, is not justice. Money is money. Justice is justice. We still need to demand justice for Breonna Taylor. We still need to demand that those officers serve some type of jail time. That's all I have to say about that because I ran a little bit over. But when, next week we'll be back. We're going to talk some more football. In the meantime, make sure you follow me every single weekday morning at 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time at 1 o'clock Eastern Time on YouTube on The Fumble. And make sure you follow me everywhere at J. Ray the Fanatic. And I will see you next Thursday. Be safe. <laughs>